welcome back to the Nigerian Filmmaker, a podcast for us to talk about Nigerian filmmakers, their films, and how we can build a diverse and functional industry. I'm your host, Selegot. On this episode, my guest is Nengi Adoki. She's an actress, writer, and producer. She's most notably known for her role as Lola on the Men's Club and also the creator of The Most Toasted Girl. We talk about her early days in theatre, agency representation as an actor, and how she kept her acting dream alive. If you are a new listener, you're welcome and I hope you enjoy. Hi Nengi, you're welcome to the Niger Filmmaker. Hi, it's nice to be here. Thank you so much for having me. So can you introduce yourself? I'm an actress, I'm a writer, I'm a producer, and uh, my last name is Adoki, so Nengi Adoki. And uh, when I'm not doing any of those things, I'm very passionate about NSARS, you know, I would like to see change in Nigeria. And when I'm not doing that stuff, I'm singing and dancing and making a complete fool of myself. But that's, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> can, you, can you tell us how you got started in filmmaking and acting yeah i think for me i i I mean it would be a lie to say i fell into it that's not true i think from a very young age i've always been very like interested in uh film um i've always been interested in like performance first of all so usually I, I say I'm a performer because we went right from when we were young I remember my dad you know he used to like get us to perform at his um uh just carols or uh even if it were like a anniversary happening or a birthday party or anything he would have like all the kids you know just come out you know I got my fir- first piano when I was very young Uh, blew it up didn't know how to play so over time I think I've just kind of like embraced that especially because I was a very quiet kid I know it's hard by the end of this call it would be very hard to believe but I was very very quiet yeah (laughs) and uh, um, my little sister even used to think there was something wrong with me right so she would try to like hit me to get me to talk or react or do something but uh the good thing is, because of performance, I could really express myself when I was singing or dancing. So I thought I was going to be a dancer. Of course, mm-hmm. Nigerian parents would tell you that's not enough. I remember even when I started painting, I told my dad I wanted to be a painter. You know, he just laughed. Um, so obviously, I, I, I had to study like architecture, and I was born in Port Harcourt. Um, went to a secondary school there before I also left and uh, also did high, high school in Canada as well. Yeah. And while I was there, I just continued like performing and creating spaces where performers could just kind of like hang out. Uh, um, uh, and then obviously up, up until university, and I would say professionally, I started in 2013. And I say that because that was when I decided to become an actor. Um, as far as deciding to become a filmmaker I have Nigeria to thank for that because I didn't realize I should be making films until I moved back to Nigeria um, as a young adult so um, in 2013 I had been organizing these theater shows uh, for about five years when I was 19 at the University of Toronto 
So I did those. They were very successful. And every time people would come on stage, uh, because I wrote, I directed, and I choreographed those shows. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they um, pe- when people would come on stage, I would tell them exactly what it was that I wanted. And I would tell them, and they wouldn't get it. So I'd have to get up on stage, and then I would have to do it. So when I was doing it, people would all be like, ah, Nagy, are you sure you shouldn't just act the role? I'm like, yeah. guys, I can't do all of those things. <laughs> and then also now act. Do you understand? So yeah. something has to give. But I, I got that feedback often enough where even when I would go on stage, you know, to show people what I meant, I I, reckon, I started realizing that I, I enjoyed doing that. I enjoyed becoming other people. And I think what was most profound for me about acting, um, because I have to clarify in this call that I'm an actor first before I am anything else. Yeah. Um, it's not. It's not because. Um, it's not because of anything. I, I. I. I'm really good at all the other things that I do. I'm glad I can say that. <laughs> but I've chosen to be an actor first. But you know, back then, you know, I still wanted to be a dancer. Like when I was younger. So I just recognized that the most, the craziest thing about acting was just it was like dancing but with words yeah as a dancer you had to feel the music you had to know where you know where you were going with it how you were doing it so you use your body a lot but with words i just found that it became easier so after all of that i made the decision in 2013 to go to acting school and i'm glad i did because uh i didn't just learn how to well, I wasn't learning how to act. I was just, I think, kind of sharpening what was already kind of there. Um, but then I learned sound production, lighting, costume design, all of this stuff for the stage, not for yeah. the screen. So when I came out and I needed an agent in Toronto to help me get into those rooms where they were hiring people to be on House of Cards, or <laughs> uh, <laughs> big name any big show. Yeah, you know, I got there and I wanted them to hire me. I realized, ah, well, wait till you know my theater acting is too big for the screen, so let's tone it down a little bit. So I started going to workshops uh, for screen, and again, because I was in that space, um, I was kind of able to, um, I was kind of able to learn as well what was happening on screen. Yeah. So I'm thankful for all of my time there uh, because it really just exposed me to everything as far as entertainment. (laughs) Like I did the whole nine yards. So by the time I was coming to Nigeria to come and be an actor, um, there was a lot of experience that I had that, you know, brought me here. Um, But I wouldn't say I knew immediately that I should start making films the moment I came here. Nigeria showed me Shege. Hmm. its own way you know <laughs> first thought it was a soft landing because i started off in a tech company it was a soft landing uh i guess i failed to mention that at university thank god for canada they let you study more than one thing so i finished with three degrees yeah uh, and one of them was in information technology um, and computer science right so thankfully i had those skills so i leveraged that when i came to nigeria because for anybody listening if you have dreams or if you have plans let me not say dreams of coming to nigeria to kind of pursue any kind of um, career in this field, um, try to get a job. Just just get something that's like you know, paying the bills. because yeah. <laughs> what I saw after I left that tech industry, I, I don't know if this podcast this time that you have here is enough for us to talk about it. But 
let's just say thankfully I had that job and I enjoyed it as well you know I used to work at Andela I don't know if anybody knows that uh, I used to train software developers on their soft skills Um, and thank god I made some money and and when the right opportunity came as far as like acting which was a theater show um, a Nigerian uh, musical called Wakad the Musical uh, produced by Bolanli Austin Peters and Terra Culture people you know, it's going to be the first uh, musical that would be playing at London's West End from Nigeria. So I auditioned and I got the lead role, you know, but it was the stage show. So I, I got it and, you know, I went off to London. I did it. The show was sold out. BBC, everyone covered it. It was a lot of noise. But I quickly found doing that, that acting was very jealous. So I had to make a decision. Are you ready to do this now? Because yeah. since I've been doing it and I've been doing other things, and my work, even in Toronto, felt like a distraction from the work that mm. I was doing as an actor. In Nigeria, my work also felt like a distraction from the work I was doing. But that's not enough to just say, okay, let me go be an actor and a filmmaker. No, it's cap- It's so heavy in terms of capital yeah. and what you need to actually make it happen. So it'll be crazy for you to not like at least have some kind of plan. And my plan was to raise money, save money, <laughs> so that at least I'll be okay for maybe two years while I go and pursue this thing. Yeah. And thankfully, I did. I became an actor, and I quickly learned that it wasn't enough because how much are they paying you per project in this country to yeah. be an actor? So where's the money if I don't want to go back to technology full-time, right? How can I do this? And honestly, it just made sense to start to do my own work as a producer, which wasn't too far fetched from the work I was doing, making theater back then for five years, back to back, you know? So if in many ways, I would say, I don't want to say it's less work, but I'm just saying in terms of like what's required and the energy, I kind of understand what's needed. And I kind of understand what I'm going for as far as the standard I'm very passionate about telling Nigerian stories, which is why I also came here to try and build a career here as well. Um, So having known all of those things, it just made sense. And I also have to shout out Bobby, uh, the comedian. Like he, he really pushed me. He was doing a show on YouTube called Back to School. So he had made it. And, you know, during the writing, the editing stage, we're just kind of like, you know, going back and forth. And we finally filmed it. It's available on YouTube right now. But he's like, Nengi, you need one of these to propel your career forward. Like, you can't just be, like, waiting for someone else to do a project yeah. and then call you and then finally you get paid and then you eat, et cetera, et cetera. So, and uh, trust me, the suffering at the time, it was very obvious <laughs> that I also needed, mm-hmm. you know, to do something else. So we sat down and we were just, like, brainstorming and then we came up with the most toasted girl, right? And for me, it was very exciting because beyond some of the smaller projects that I had done in my capacity as a, you know, writer or like, you know, a performer or a producer or whatever, I could now do it. But this time, you know, for a web series, like yeah. something that people could actually go and watch and appreciate these, these other sides of me beyond just the acting. Yeah. Right? So that's how Toasted Girl was born. And I have to also shout out Bolaji Kekiriyoku. He's my manager and he's also the director of the second batch of Toasted Girl episodes. If you're listening, please go watch it. Uh, It's on YouTube. It's free. (laughs) Uh, Type in the most Toasted Girl. Watch episodes one to eight right now. Uh, And Bolaji, you know, he runs a media company. Uh, So we kind of partnered to get that done. And the learnings, the experience and everything that I knew, like I'm not crazy. Uh, I meant to do this work. So, yeah. Yeah. 
that's my long long answer to your question <laughs> okay so um yeah you know you mentioned that you know it's important to kind of be working while you're trying to get your plants off the ground but how important mm -hmm. is it not to have distractions so that you can you know make um advances in your specific job so like whether it's um acting or filmmaking how important is it not right. to have distractions so um i guess i have to further the question like and ask you you know what do you what do you mean as far as distractions because you know how entertainment is the yeah. distraction is the entertainment so what do you mean yeah so um <laughs> you know you mentioned it's important to kind of have something that is bringing in the money but right. then you know you balance that with working creatively whether it's acting or um directing but at some point one of them will suffer yes yeah. <laughs> indeed indeed so Huh. So let me set context for anybody who's listening. For instance, like the reason I called my work at the time a distraction is because my goal was to make a career in entertainment. Yeah. Now, if your goal is to make a career in technology, for instance, then entertainment is a distraction. <laughs> you understand? So for me, because I had the goal of making a career in entertainment, my work was paying me, but like, you, but like we've established, it became a distraction. Yeah. Because, I mean, for all of the wonderful characters people see on screen that we're able to create, you need time to be able to do that. You know, if I'm going to be working for myself as a writer, um, I can afford to do that because it's me. But the fact that I'm not paying myself doesn't make it right. If I had to hire a writer today, I would pay them and I would need to be paid. Money has to come in from somewhere. Yeah. Now, if you have, you know, generous parents or whatever, uh, or generous or you've invested you're one of those people who are lucky enough to invest in bitcoin when it first started and you know you have a reserve good yeah. for you you know that just wasn't my story um and for me the stakes were very high i'm about to get very personal here um the stakes were very high because um in i think 2018 2017, 2018, the, end, the tail end of 2017 and 2018 is probably the most difficult time in my life. It's ever since you know I've been on, in this world in this yeah. short period. And the reason I say that is because that was the year I finally, I, I mean, I made the transition. I had to pay rent. All of the money that I had saved up from working in technology had to go in there. Uh, I didn't even have furniture. Like, you know, there were times when... Um, you know, there would be power out for like multiple days. Like I used to watch my food go bad. Yeah. I'm not glorifying suffering. Like I said, if you have parents and you have somebody who's willing to give you that money or you have investment, take it. That was not the case for me at the time. Um, thank God I don't look like what I've been through. But when I tell people these stories, they 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 they, they almost it's like a laugh. Like it's a, it's almost dismissive when I'm yeah. saying how difficult, you know, things truly were. And it's not even because you know, as far as my parents, um, I'm not communicating that they didn't even have the money or the funds. The reason why I mentioned 2018 is at the time, my dad, you know, unfortunately was kidnapped in mm. Port Harcourt and he was kidnapped for three weeks. And I recall, you know, these people wanted a ransom of about 20 million naira. Now, I don't care how rich you are, you know, even if you have to, it's not just lying around for you to just be like, yeah, take, give me my dad. Yeah. Do you understand? Like, you know, we had to like, you know, you know, make a lot of assets liquid i remember at the time we were running out of time was really the issue because i mean you know if we had enough time to even say sell a house 
for instance. Yeah. That would have been better. But to just make liquid a lot of the monies was just really hard. And, you know, I, you know, my parents, you know, they've already sacrificed so much. I mean, I went to one of the best schools in the world at the University of Toronto, yeah. you know, uh, and I got additional education. And at the University of Toronto, my dad wasn't paying cheap fees. As an international student, like we're talking about like at least thirty dollars to $40,000 a year. So he has four children. $20 million is not just going to come out from nowhere. Yeah. You understand? So by the time we did all we need, needed to do, paid everything, that was right at the time where I had paid rent and I had come out of tech. So you can imagine how, in fact, I almost felt useless because yeah. I'm like, okay, there's this thing that needs to happen. And then, like, you know, I finally decided to focus on this thing. So as, as morbid as it sounds, even that kidnapping was a distraction because, like, all of my, all of the effort and monies and all that stuff saved up, like, we needed to go into that. So, um, and subsequently, you know, my dad had to be, like, you know, uh, flown out of the country to get like uh, medical attention because you know how they took him is not how they brought him back yeah but I'm thankful that you know so the reason I got personal is because I want to highlight to you that that at that point I had a choice to either go and hand in my resume at a tech company so that money would be coming from somewhere yeah or hey you started on this path you know at the time, 2018, I was 28, you know. Um, so what do you really want for your life? If it's really this entertainment thing, then you have to get serious about it in a way that nothing else is distracting you. And at that point, to me, I'd lost so much. So, I mean, how bad, <laughs> how much worse can it be, right? So um, that was a distraction. Technology was a distraction. So it's up to the performer or the filmmaker to then decide, how is this going to work in the context of a country like Nigeria, where there's very little to no support for creatives? There are no grants that you can leverage. Yeah. You know, and as far as getting jobs, you know, you know, I'm not one to call the industry clickish because at the end of the day, you do need people around you. And if the people around you are the people who are going to get the job done, then get the job done. I'm not annoyed at that. But at, at the same time, it also then sets me up and puts me at a disadvantage where I'm coming into a space where I didn't even grow up in. I'd never lived in Lagos up until I moved here as an adult. Yeah. You know? I don't have those networks. I don't have the same networks. I don't have the same... I don't know people, basically. So I was just built... I was literally building from ground zero. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people don't... But I think what helped me was the fact that some of... I was able to leverage some of my tech skills as far as strategy goes and apply it. I was able to leverage some of my media skills... Uh, I have a digital communication um, uh, degree as well. So as far as that, to just make sure that whatever it was I was doing, I was amplifying it. And for me, coming from tech, a, a, a lot of tech only thrives in collaborative spaces. Yeah. Now, take that and then try and, you know, reimagine that in an industry like Nollywood where we're just now learning that we should be collaborating to make <laughs> a lot of impact you yeah know? so there was a lot of war and i'll set context for you i remember when i used to work at the tech company you know at night i would make it my duty to make sure i was in any performance filmmaking acting space possible when i was working daytime so I, when i was in the tech industry it was easier i think relatively easier to get information in terms of 
and honest, truthful information about the actual state of the industry. Yeah. And I think a lot of the people I engaged with while I was in tech didn't see me as some any kind of like, you know, competitor or a threat or whatever. Like I'm in my industry and I mean you're talking to somebody in tech, maybe money can even come out if you don't even know. I'm not oblivious to this thing. So yeah. a lot of times, you know, or there were sim- there are people who just simply were just open, right? But even then, when I transitioned from tech, I now became an industry gongo. Even those people who were very open and very helpful you know now knowing that i was in the industry you know a lot of information just wasn't as available as it was when there were no stakes when i wasn't one of the key stakeholders you know now and i don't blame people you know there's a lot of uh what's the word uh a lot of people dupe people in this in this country how much more the industry people are like ah these are my um these are my uh, clients or people who fund my work so I don't want everybody else having access to that so you know there's and, and for good reason there's yeah. obviously pros and cons to doing that um, but I just I just quickly realized that information wasn't as forthcoming uh, but I was lucky in the sense that right after I came back from that stage uh, first job in London I got back into another theater gig on stage in Nigeria with Olu Jacobs and Ajakesil, a heartbeat, the musical. After that, you know, I got another job. But the reason why things did get dire in 2018 was because the money I was making, like I would have to work at least three times, what am I saying? At least five times more to even make what I was making in tech as it translated to the... Uh, acting industry so it just took a lot more time to make the same amount of money so um all this to say when you ask about a distraction that's relative i think the person needs to understand what it is that they want and then devise some sort of strategy to go and get it it has to be like not that it has to be do or die but i took the do or die approach i mean you can chill you can have side gigs like everybody's path is different so that's why i said who who are you what do you want and how are you going to get it you have to decide that yeah okay so you um you did your bachelor's in performance and it and um Mm. you also um did performing arts a certificate course um how how helpful was this in kind of informing your craft in acting on a big scale i think that if there's anything you want to do like additional training will never be a bad idea (laughs) it will never be a bad idea there's raw talents and you know there's finesse because i mean and too often even in terms of like even just acting and filmmaking uh you see people who have raw talents who do very well in one thing then can you replicate this if I'm asking you to play something else? Yeah. You know, can you replicate this if I'm asking you to shoot a different story or tell a different story? Perhaps maybe uh, about a culture that you're not even privy to, that you don't understand, right? So there are techniques. um, And I think that in Nigeria, we desperately need to institutionalize a lot of the techniques and the process so that we're all speaking the same language on sets. Yeah. Because right now, some people are speaking American. <laughs> some people are speaking, speaking English. Some people are like, ah, Toronto, bring that to you. This is how we do it in Nigeria. Hmm. So there's a disconnect in terms of the language that we're all using. Because oftentimes I find that we're all trying to do the same things, but people are getting upset about how it's being said. Yeah. You understand? So um, I think that that's what training does. My training really helps me 
um, at a world level, especially also in the uh, in the society that I, I train in. For instance, like I don't imagine being confused about what to do and how to do if I was in Canada. Yeah. I know the system, I know the process. If I don't know it, it's easily accessible. But if I'm coming to Nigeria now, you know, and I think the one good thing I did for myself was to not come to tell anybody how to do anything. I just need to learn to understand mm. what is actually going on here. But even that one, I don't have access. Where is all this information? Where is the repository? What am I supposed to? Okay, how should I get into audition rooms? And I just feel bad because oftentimes, you know, you have a lot of like young filmmakers and actors like reaching out to me in my inbox telling me that they are interested. And I honestly do not have any structure to point them to, to say, okay, if you do this and this and this and this, this is what will happen. In Nigeria, you're as good as your last job. Yeah. Because when you move from unemployment, it's like by the time you're going to the next one, just like everybody else, whether, some, whether it's somebody that woke up in the morning and said, hmm, this acting, I believe you'll make it is interesting. You know? You're yeah. there too with them, just like you who has had experience. So how can you just balance it out and make sure that the people who are actually like here for this industry and looking to grow it, not just, you know, take from it, are being prioritized. Um, and when I say that, I don't mean favoritism or nepotism. Yeah. I mean like actual value. So how do you know that this person that I'm engaging with is not just somebody who is simply interested and trying to see how it goes or this is somebody who's you know actually trying to bring value and give value you know to my set or to the role that they're about to play because they ultimately care about the big picture about what nigerian cinema means about what nollywood means about what the stage here means right so that's what i think is is lacking and so as far as training i think it's extremely important i think that the Nigerian cinema, uh, Nollywood in general, needs institutions that support and nurture it. Be it is great institutions that are teaching people how to act and make films well. Be it like um, agencies, people who are actually operating and, as agents and not taking advantage of um, this disadvantaged youth who maybe are falling into acting because that's all they have left. Yeah. You know, some people tell you come and pay thirty k to do this one. It's because of a lack of these um, institutions and training uh, 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 centers and and even just like a credit system. For instance, um, and it's not to say we have to do it the way Canada or any. I don't. I don't care about that. What me I care about is value. Yeah. You understand if if this works for them and it doesn't work here great how how can we make the one that works for us so the suggestion i was about to make was for instance if we don't be sent to just any audition there's a credit system in fact for you to get into a union in canada you have to have done specific jobs at a certain caliber yeah then once you get into the union then when um people need you for work they're not enga- they're engaging with you not just by yourself for instance like there are certain jobs they will have to pay you x amount yeah it doesn't matter if you're doing this job this is how much you're going to pay you but if in fact in terms of pay structure it's all it's very um uh, subject to uh just who is negotiating here in nigeria there's no body and when i say there's no body it's not for the non-existence of those bodies i mean like they're actual practical usefulness yeah because these bodies exist here the question is how well are they doing i'm not trying to say they're not doing well i'm also not trying to say that you know they are non-existent i'm just trying to say are we doing as best as we can be 
as far yeah. as what it means to support the and nurture Nollywood. So all of this is extremely important because then once we can agree on what and how we're doing, like we're doing what we're doing, I think it would be significantly easier to make uh, massive strides in the industry. We're already doing it without structure. So yeah. you can imagine if that enters, ah, come on, we're going to have even more of an impact, right? In terms of like, you know, you know where we are in, 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 just in the world and how, how much more people appreciate um, these stories and this industry yeah. for what it is. Yeah. Okay. So um, you were like briefly in the Canadian movie industry. You um, acted on a show. During this period, did yeah. you join any of these unions or guilds? Uh, yeah. Um, so by the time I got my credit to be eligible to get it, which took quite a bit of time actually and i i won't even say it's because i wasn't talented me i'm very uh i mean i'm very loud about <laughs> what it is that i can do i'm not ashamed to say yeah. i'm a fucking phenomenal actress who's going to get even better right so i knew it wasn't because i wasn't talented because <laughs> i'm going to i'm also going to explain why to you um as far as the shows yeah. that I was doing, even without education, for five years in the industry, um, I I was able to become a culturally recognized city event. The show was called Sink Africa. I had people flying in from all over North America to come see the show, paying upwards of hundred yeah. to hundred and fifty dollars for a VIP ticket. So you can imagine how much you would make in one one oh. night in a hall that sat over a thousand three hundred people. So, and I was, what, I wasn't, was I even 22? Yeah. I was 21 when all of this stuff was happening. <laughs> so there's that. And I was happy because, like I said, because of the structure and the collaborative nature of that environment, you know, you're able to just accomplish a whole lot more. And when I was done and I said, okay, let me now even go to the acting school. I was top five in my class. Yeah. I graduated with honors. When the agency came to the school to come and look for who they wanted to be on their roster, because it's very important, you cannot get auditions in Canada if you uh, not if you can get auditions, but if you're talking about the cream, like for instance, you want to audition for things like the Expanse at the time, Killjoys, House of Cards, anything, you had to have an agency, and um, the agency who saw me while I was performing yeah. at my final year project in school was one of the oldest agencies in Toronto. They had been there like 25 plus years. Um, his name is Larry Goldhar. And he saw me. And I remember when he had called me to his office to audition, I called one of the heads of the Black, one of uh, the Obsidian Theater yeah. Group at the time, which was the Black Theater Group at the time. Uh, Philip Akins used to be the uh, um, the creative director um and i called him i said i have you know i've been invited by larry goldhart to yeah. come in his office and audition uh for uh, to be at his agency and he said wow that's amazing and i asked for tips and the one thing that he said that struck me he said larry usually wouldn't give even if larry likes you like larry wouldn't give you a contract that day so if yeah. you don't get it that day don't feel bad 
go home and perhaps just give it a couple of days, you know, three to five business days. And uh, hopefully, you know, Karen, who used to be his assistant at the time, will reach out to you. I said, okay, good. You know, we had a conversation. I showed him the audition that I was going to do. Great. It was comedic, you know. So um, uh, I went. I went to the audition. Between me and you, I'm telling you right now, Larry gave me that contract right there in his office. Right there. I was not the one that said, please give me time. I have to go back to to go and look at the contract and think about a show, you know, I have to find management. I hope I'm not signing, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, they're a good agency. So they weren't weren't known to do that, right? So it was so awesome because everything was happening so quickly. By the time I got with them, I got my first gig immediately on Canada's biggest show at the time, which was Lost Girl. I got it so quickly you understand so all of these things like you know it made me feel great because then it was just sort of like validating what i knew to be true about myself which is that like you know i'm a great actor and i will only get better i'm a great director i will only get better i'm a great filmmaker i will only get better and i feel like this is the language a lot of us need to continue to use when we see people who are actually doing great work in this industry don't butt it (laughs) reiterate it and say you have done well anybody that wants to accomplish anything in this industry needs to be talking to you but i don't know so for some reason i don't know if that's always the case i think it's changing now though in nigeria because like there was too much bickering when i first entered this industry i was like what is going on so it's that that's fast talent that one locked down but i think at the time when I was about to get my credit and everything, there was now space. And now, in retrospect, when I remember why it took so long for me to get my credit to get into those unions and agencies, because there was a shift in Hollywood, um, I'm sorry, Hollywood that was happening. To be black at the time, you couldn't now look like me. <laughs> Which I honestly appreciate. I don't know if you guys remember the rise yeah. and the rise of Lupita. I love her so much, you know. But there was a there was a time where you know, in Hollywood things were shifting, and that's why now there will be outrage if you want to cast a storm, yeah, in an Avengers, right? Or which one, or is it X Men? Sorry, you want to cast cast a storm in X Men? I use Halle Berry now, and not uh-huh. Lupita. Are you yeah. mad? Are you not reading the comics? Are you not seeing the skin? Just that, like, so for me, I celebrated that switch in the industry because come on, we cannot continue to portray black people as light-skinned uh, or darker-skinned white yeah. people. No, we're black. <laughs> but I think now the next shift will be for Hollywood to realize that black is also still a spectrum. Because you're not trying to prove that you are hiring a black person the person doesn't have to look like you, Celebobo. Like, you know, you're looking all like dark skin, yeah. chocolate. You know, there's a spectrum. But I'm not eager for that to happen because it is our time. It is time for people who look like that to constantly be on screen. And I'm not saying, I'm not just throwing around things. I went to an audition. I think, was, I don't know if it was for the Killjoys. I can't remember what it was. Larry and them had sent me out to audition. And, you know, we're auditioning. Like, there was this really nice... Uh, they wanted someone who sounded Nigeria, which I do. I can lean more into and sound very Nigerian. Like, that one 
no, I'm not even trying to do that mm. African nonsense accent that Hollywood usually does. I can I can just channel, you know, my mom yeah. or my dad or anybody and just give it to you. But then, you know, this other girl um, who was there, you know, she she looked very dark skinned, very beautiful. And even on the brief, it's it said they wanted someone African. So Larry them sent me to go out do the audition. It was a massive audition. So despite the fact that I had the accent, they called me back. I went there, a white lady, Karen, who was one of my cheerleaders at the time. She kept sending me out to these auditions. She, she knew, she, you know, so she, she, they called me back again. So this was literally like between me and this girl. And ultimately they had to go with her because aesthetically she fits exactly what it was yeah. we were going for. And honestly, I'm not even paid. I'm not paying, but at the end of the day, what does now me for someone like me who looks like me down now i mean the, the roles i now used to get casted for were the ones that were very ambiguous like it would just be like a woman it didn't matter where she was from or she looked like or whatever you know but me i was passionate about any african stories so while you're hiring these people which i love it's shutting me out so the next question is please i beg where is he hot now to be light-skinned and black let me just go there and just be working and just be you know cheering on so that means i'm not starving while i'm while I'm happy for, you know, what's happening. And honestly, if we had to speak quite frankly, it is still very hot to be tall and light-skinned with an accent-ish. I say accent-ish because in Canada, they knew I was Nigerian. It's when I come here, they'll be like, oh, it's not so American. I'm like, I'm not American. Oh, you said, yeah. So it's it's those things where my accent is doing a weird thing where it doesn't particularly sound Canadian yeah. or Nigerian. Anyways, but you get the point. Like my aesthetic plus everything. Of course, I'm going to to get roles. At least as, as that's what I was hearing uh, when I did get roles. Because there's also the other side of that where like some people would say, oh, it's because you look like this and you sound like this that you're getting roles in this industry. But for me, I push back against that. Yes, you might be right at some level, but I'm also very talented. Recognize that too. (laughs) Recognize that too. I'm also very talented. And I need to be here because I need to be cast in like black black stories. I want to be um, telling those stories authentically. And I have a lot of learning to do. I think it's quite shameful that I can't even speak my own language as an Ijo girl, as an Okrika girl. Um, if you're yeah. listening, it's not secondhand. It's actually a piece. Let me educate you. It's in Nigeria. It's down south, south, creeks, PH. Keep yeah. driving until you reach the water. Just, just be going. So um, it's it's upsetting in that way. So that's why I said coming to Nigeria for me, I, I came as a student because it would be crazy for me to come and act like I know what I'm doing, even though I'm talented in a space that I literally have no idea of because I've not I haven't lived here as an adult right so coming back here has been a lot of learnings for me so your initial question was those credits and how important it was right to you know they're very important there they're very important there Um, and I think some level of that not, not that but at least something we need to create something that ensures that people who are talented people who are gifted yeah. and people who are trained are always first pick whether it's production as crew member or whether it's in front of the camera on stage as an actor because these are the people who have literally like committed to this and should be 
um, at the forefront, then, you know, then we need a pipeline for the next yeah. generation. That's why I was talking to you about institutions. So while those people are working and they're coming out, we also need to now make space because then what ends up happening is that you then have um, the same faces being repeated, which is kind of what's happening in, in Hollywood right now. Because like I said, in as much as we also want to keep the people who are committed yeah. and have the training and have the talent, we also want to figure out how to get the next you know, batch of people in there. And I think it's time. I don't know if you're on Twitter. Like a lot of times, people are on Twitter and saying, "Wow, they're using the same old faces." You know, you have I to don't sell tickets. Using the same old faces yeah. because you know, at some level, yeah, that works. And any actor, I don't care how talented you are, I don't care how much training you got. <laughs> if you're going to tell me that you're also not going to adjust as far as the context of this industry, like you're not even going to try as far as social media, you're not ready now. Because at the end of the day, yeah. we're here to watch the show, but there's also business, right? So now you now have to try try to figure out how to balance out the two, because this fame thing is a hell of a drug, and it's not a bad thing. I think people need to understand what it is that they want. Like I said, what do you want, and how are you gonna get, go get it? Um, because as a as an as anybody in this industry, you find even directors and producers and everything, uh. everybody is, is still trying to do their own PR. So now bad as it bad, if you have an actor that's yeah. not even willing to push the film, you too, you have the numbers. You understand? But now some people are forgetting that they're producers, they're forgetting that they're directors, they're forgetting that they're actors, like they're now leaning, they're now uh, they're now more celebrities than you know the actual work and i think that that's what the danger is right if, if, if yeah. you just want to be like famous that's fine but if you want to be like a working actor director producer writer sound who's also famous i think that that's a sweet spot like you yeah. actually know what you're doing and you have numbers those two things go together if you're leaning in too much on either side at this point in my life, I can say with my chest, you're wrong. <laughs> if you're p- only depending on your talent, raw ta- like you're wrong. Have it all, but there's also this side. If you're only depending on those numbers, you're wrong. Because that's that's the reason why we're seeing shit performances huh. and shit movies and shit everything. No, there's yeah. a sweet spot. You have to have both. All right, so um, you you um, started an acting troupe and you did a play called Just Rich Men. Yeah, uh, Just Rich Men. I think that that was probably the yeah. beginning of my comedic journey. Uh, fun, funny, fun fact, I, uh, comedy is not even top three of my favorite genres to watch. <laughs> I like fantasy. I like period pieces. Uh, I like action, thrillers. Yeah. Like blow things up. I have a nice story as well. I like that. It's not even top five, safe. Because, I don't know, there's just something about comedy that's just weird when people are intending to make you laugh. So because I know the goals to make me laugh, I'm usually not easily yeah. tickled. <laughs> so it can be a chore. Watch it. It's like I'm almost looking for, okay, where's the funny thing? now? Where's the funny thing? Where's the... So it, it can be a chore for me in that sense. I didn't even think I would even touch comedy at all. But when I was in acting school or performing art school, um, they made us do like improvisation. I don't know if you've ever heard of Second City. Uh, It's like an an improv club 
you know, some of them, I, I forget what big shows they're on. Like some of them will, go, will do Second City and go on to do yeah. things like Saturday Night Live, like SNL. So they had those, you know, and I went to see some of those shows at Second City. Shout out to Mark Melamick, my um, acting teacher, who made sure we saw every kind of show. And we went there, I was like, what? Essentially, people would go on stage, like maybe two or three players or whatever, improvise, improvisers, and you would maybe even do, there would be games like maybe you throw three words on stage, like unicorn or horse or sky. And they literally, in the moment, had to do a scene that incorporated those three things. Yeah. And because it was so spontaneous, because even they didn't know what would happen next, I can tell you I've never seen anything funnier in my entire life. Yeah. I laughed my ass off so much because, like them, I just knew... I even tested it out. I gave a word too. I'm like, maybe you guys are planning this thing in the back. Maybe you have people in the stage. You know, I gave my word. They they killed this thing, and I like my belly was full. Yeah. So after that, I was like, nah, I have to try this. So when I went back to school, uh, there was an I, I I researched and I and I noticed that there was an improv club at my school at the time. Yeah. I joined it. I entered there. Now obviously it wasn't at the level they were doing at second city because like these people were professionals but it was good enough where i really just explored that comedic timing and you know spontaneity and sometimes the story writes itself if you just show up free and willing to learn and etc etc and when i finished from that i think that was how just rich men was born because i had finished doing five years of this other show called sink africa i was like you know what now we need a comedic truth hmm. and yes we will plan our stories for the sake of lighting and technicalities because i mean if we're going to charge money and we don't have like the backing for we still need a certain level of like yeah. improv as well so we had a loose storyline where things could either go here or there but you know for the most part how the story came about was from improv then we wrote it and then we now performed it. So when you watched it, you, it was really funny because, you know, it still had the spice of improv. But then again, it was still kind of going somewhere. And, you know, we would break out of that to do really interesting things with the audience, et cetera, et cetera. So it was really cool to have to experience it. And the reason why I mentioned it is because Just Rich Man, I think, probably set me off. And I didn't know I would still do anything comedy related until... I came back to Nigeria and then I did even work out the musical that show I did in London had some comedic things in it. But I think the first comedic show yeah. that I really did was back to school with Bobby. It's hilarious. Like if you watch it, you know, you're laughing there. It might not be everybody's cup of tea, but I can guarantee there's something inside there that's going to make you laugh. And again, just like second city, just like just rich men that you mentioned, which was, you know, me and a bunch of actors who were just interested in doing stuff at the time. Huh. I came and I saw Bobby, Bobby back to school is very loosely scripted. It's very loosely scripted. So you kind of have to just feel it out, you know, and just go with, you know, whatever is happening in the room and respond intelligently. So that's why I think it's really hilarious. So, so talking about that, um, Toasted Girl, when it came about, I didn't even think I would be the one writing it. I was so scared. I told Bobby, I was like, you have to write it now. Me, I'm come actor, but you have to like, you know, give me, you yeah. know, so he helped me. We wrote the first episode together, you know, we edited it and all that stuff. But, you know, I wrote it, showed it to him. He's like, okay, yeah, this is it. So I started writing. And trust me, at the time when I started Just Richmond, if you told me that I would be writing 
like actual comedic shows for myself. I'm performing in them um, in the way that I'm doing on the Musso sticker right now. I wouldn't yeah. believe you. But here we are. <laughs> Yeah. So um with um your with the roles that you take, um how do you like approach it? I mean with your role Lola on the men's club, like I guess a, a lot of people, you know, kind of feel the on screen chemistry oh. <laughs> with um Budge. Um how do you generally right. kind of get ready for those kind of yeah. roles? Great questions. <laughs> okay, you're hitting me with them today. Well done. <laughs> um how do I get into character? First of all, my process overall, regardless of TMC, I have to know the character as well as I know myself, right? If you ask yeah. me a question about Lola, I should be able to answer it. The way I would be able to answer a question about Nengi. Where did she go to school? Where's her mom? Where's her dad? You know, how is she when she's happy? How is she when she's sad? What does she like to eat? Why does she even like this Louis of a boy? What's in her childhood informed? So, it's so much and because of acting school i have a document that i use to just start answering names so by the time i even do that by the time i look at the script by the time i and, and some of these questions yeah. answers would oftentimes be in the script not just in your part and that's why i don't understand people uh what's his name the guy who played uh the guy who played deadpool ryan reynolds yeah ryan reynolds i don't know if this is a fake tweet but i would seen a tweet um about how for Green Lantern, he only read his side. And I'm just like, I don't know which juju or which process he is using. Because for me, how can I, I have to know what's going on now. And you can imagine with the process that I've told you, there are answers in the script. And sometimes it will be from what other people are saying about yeah. Lola about me, the character. You know, sometimes in scenes where, I, and I'll give you an example. There's a, a scene um, where Lewis was telling somebody else how you know he doesn't want Lola trouble because she's getting testy these days. To me, that's a clue or that's an answer because. I, as, as I don't know if everyone watching um, or listening has been watching the men's club, but I wasn't, I didn't do season two. So coming back into season three, there was yeah. a little bit of a disconnect. So when I saw Lola on paper, she didn't seem like the same calm, sweet, you know, let's just, let's just do this side sex and <laughs> be best friends. Season three, she seemed a little bit more feisty. When I was reading, I couldn't make a case for it. But when I was asking questions about who she who she is, you know, just kind of like reintroducing myself to character. When I see lines like that, when he's like, oh, I don't want yeah. my last one, well, you know, she has been testy these days. Then that gives me a reason as to how testy, because then if he's saying that and she's not, he's lying. Yeah. <laughs> he might say that and the audience might take it because he said that. But is the reality that? Which is why it now brings me to another dilemma. Because as an actor, you would have seen that too, and you're now going to go and act it like that. Then maybe by the time they edit, direct everything, they uh. might now cut that scene where he said he's being tested, where, where she's being tested. So yeah. everybody just look like a crazy person. <laughs> where that's not now kind of like informing your choice, right? So 
it's always a fine line, but uh, whatever the process is for people, I'd say fine tune it, streamline it, just trust it. And by the time it comes out, it won't always come out the way yeah. you maybe imagined uh, because it's not like theater. I, I always say theater is the actor's medium. Anyhow, you want to direct. If I go there and I feel the audience, I will act it how I'm feeling but fortunately film you know you don't have control and then by the time it comes out by the time the audience is reacting you guys are long done you're you're finished shooting you can't go back and and do anything else so um there's that knowing the character at the back of my hand and then secondly in every scene i always ask like what happened before where is she coming from now where is she going so that informs even how i enter the scene as lola did she have a fight with her mom because i don't know if everybody listening knows this but like we don't usually film like um record movies and film them chronologically you know sometimes this the final scene you shoot the wedding before you even shoot the quarrel so you have to look at the paper (laughs) and know whether in this scene did you just fight or are you guys good so when it comes in am i like hey baby or is there uh I'm not happy with you. And this is not something that needs to be said. This is something that, like I said, if you do the work, it will reveal itself to you on the page. Yeah. Now, not only that, when I've done those things, then I have to also go back to the person who wrote it. Who is creating this world? What does she have to say about the character? So I'll have a conversation. Now, not every writer will humor you because people are busy. Yeah. But if you can, if you can reach out, you know, you just never know. Um, and thankfully, in my case, um, Dami Elebe, who writes The Men's Club, she was available, very available in, in season one. But, you know, this is in three. I mean, although I didn't really reach out as, you know, I didn't, I didn't put in that much effort because yeah. I still, you know, I kind of knew what, where I was going. She, she has now blown, you know, she's writing Netflix shows. But like I said, as much as you can reach out to the writer. Then another thing is maybe, and I, I do a lot of productions in Nigeria, I don't know if they afford, at least with the ones that I've been involved with, I can't speak for everybody. But oftentimes it's never really the case that you have enough time to have these discussions with your director. You don't even rehearse, to be honest. Like you don't and I'm not saying this is even a Nigerian thing. Some productions abroad as well don't do that. Like you're literally meeting the person for the first time. You know, I remember the first scene I ever shot on the men's club, I was busy shagging someone in the room. I'd never met this guy before, but I had to climb him and I had to be sexy and make sexual noises and it was just very strange. So you can't so you won't always get that, but and even if you don't, it's not enough to fold your hands and say, Ah, what really helped and I have to thank Tola for this is before every season he does a read. Yes, we get the script, but, you know, we all need to come together and just read and just kind of, like, bounce off each other. And, like, I remember in season one when I was playing with Bad, you know, we had done the reading. I didn't even know it was him I was playing opposite. He was kind of, after me, was someone in between us, then him. So, I see, so we didn't even know. So, it was yeah. when we were introducing ourselves around the circle that he said, Louis. I was like, ah, so it's you I'm playing with, right? So, uh, when we're doing the read, I think what helped Bad and I was... We started taking it seriously from day zero. 
well, you know, you can come in. Yeah, you do the read with a little bit of characterization. At that read, I was already experimenting with huh. things. And he was in the zone as well. So every time he would come to us, in fact, someone in that circle was like, oh, every time, you know, we're reading your scenes, I see what's happening there. I kind of like what's happening there. So that chemistry kind of yeah. even just started off from like day one. I think there's also bit of luck because i mean yeah you could be doing that but if that chemistry is not palpable i don't even know how to explain with badge and i because even off off um scene or set literally me and this nigga will be standing right next to each other people are like oh i'm like what is going on i don't know what it is because we're not trying we're not trying at least when we're not on set but when we're on set we tried and i think um from even just little things to like um for instance when we would eat when it would be lunchtime we would just sit right next to each other and just even if we weren't saying anything i think there's a certain amount of physical space and distance people have between each other yeah. when they're just meeting each other for the first time you can see it over time, that gap literally begins to close. Then all of a sudden, you know, they're a friend now, so your head is on their shoulder, your arm is around their neck, and you don't notice, but this happens over time. So there's nothing that irks me more than watching a scene. Whether it's Nollywood or Hollywood, you're telling me that this couple I'm watching, they've been together for maybe two years, ten years, and when it's time for them to kiss, they're so careful around each other's bodies as though they're meeting each other for the first yeah. time, which is what's happening. They are meeting each other, but I don't, I don't need to know, know that. I don't need to know. And people think that for you to like create that chemistry on, on stage, maybe you have to go as far as maybe even like shagging yeah. each other off set. I've heard stories about that. Or like kissing each other. You, I don't think all that's necessary. I think familiarity you know some people say familiarity breeds contempt uh. but before it gets to contempt there's a nice sweet spot where you're just happy each other and i think physical proximity has to do a lot with this so i would just literally go and stand next to him if we're doing anything so to the point where and i don't know what he did on his end i can't speak for him but i will always look for this mindset yeah. where is he i have to go and sit down next to him I have to eat next to him is he changing let me go and step you know sometimes he will want to put um, his shoe his feet in shoes so um, hold my shoulder, you know, just be around me so that that way. And because I did that, I don't know if he noticed, but like we just kept getting yeah. very physically comfortable around each other. Where, like, even when we're now rehearsing our lines, I'll ask him, I'll be like, Is it okay to sit on your lap? Yes, it's okay. So let's sit down. Yeah. So, all right, by the time the scene comes around and we're supposed to be doing something intimate, even when we're not intimate, I think that chemistry is palpable. Um, because you can just feel that there's just some familiarity and because of that it's real yeah right and i think that that's what people are speaking to when they talk about the chemistry now the other thing is like is that you're acting opposite a fucking brilliant actor and budge is an amazing actor like it didn't even have to be me playing lola he'll still bring it it doesn't dilute his performance or anything so if you put him with another fucking brilliant amazing actor like myself we will then <laughs> obviously create like you know, some of that magic that I'm really glad and um, very, in many ways, really humbled by because I mean, I can come here and be raging, shouting, I'm a good yeah. actor, bad is a good actor, we've done the work. Da, 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 da. But you see, there's just the thing about the audience and humans, if they yeah. don't take to you, Baba, they don't take to you. <laughs> you might have done the work, you might have got to training, but there's also that now. 
do they like what's going on? If they don't, then it's up to you to say, okay, does this affect me? Or was this character created to be liked or hated? Am I doing my job right? Or to what extent should I take this reaction seriously? Right. So I'll just recap. You asked how I get into the process. One, yeah. um, uh, know the character. <laughs> like you know yourself because it's not you. That person is not you. It's a different person. A very, very different person. Um, and then two, you have to then answer questions. Um, what is yeah. the script saying about you? right while you're in the process of getting to know yourself like there are always clues in the scenes that you're in and in the scenes where other characters are saying things about you or even in just the actions then the notes in the script three trust the writer especially if they're fucking brilliant like dummy what's this world you know what am i doing um how am i doing it you know why is this character the way she's why is she angry why is she feisty here where like she wasn't before Right. Reach out to the writer, reach out to the creators of that universe and and trust that, you know, they know what they're doing and um, go with that. And like I said, uh, there are physical things for there are physical things that you can do as far as sets to just kind of like as far as chemistry. I know not every role require that, but, uh, you know, anybody who's serious about acting will probably go and research other methods to get other things right but at least for romance and intimacy um there are also physical things that you can do to make sure that those gaps are closed and then lastly i don't know if this is within your power shall, but just make sure you're in a project where they've hired great actors as well because if they're not brilliant at bringing it you can be doing your best as a brilliant actor right now um DiCaprio like you know performance yeah. and you just have a stone opposite you because maybe their aunties the producer or whatever it just kind of waters down the scene so or even if they want to be actors they're not serious it's just like hey let me just so you know all of those things matter and then you know lastly just trust the audience um if you're getting favorable feedback from the audience then you just have to say okay you know what what's going on you know why is this happening you know, what's constructive, what's them just lashing out like, I don't know that, that yeah. there's always something to learn because at the end of the day, you can't tell people that you're performing for that this is real life, they're telling you it's not, they don't believe it and you're saying yeah, and and and, and, and you're saying get, get out that's not, that's not true you know, to some extent that voice is also, but then again, like I said they, they will always love you and you also have to be okay with that yeah. so. so, um, you know, you're primarily an actor, um for your mm-hmm. producing and um, writing, um, what do you like to make? Mm-hmm. What kind of stories do you like to tell? Ooh, what do I like to make? As far as my favorite genres to make, they're there. They're they're high up there. I like to make them because I guess the reason I like to make them is to do what I feel as though those genres aren't doing for me to make it good enough for a me wherever they are at in the world to also watch and appreciate so because there's a gap in those genres for yeah. me I, I like making them but i don't like watching them but outside of that i'm trying to solve a problem if i just as a regular ass human being who just enjoyed making um regular ass producer who just enjoyed making stuff i would definitely have to say like i would love 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 love, love to make fantasy um, yeah sci-fi at some point 
I've already written like a, a short film, just test to see how that works, uh, to blend fantasy and sci-fi in it. Um, and it's just going to talk about like, it's going to, it's just, I don't know how to summarize this without giving too much away. Yeah. But uh, I just want to explore the idea of what celebrity means because I've, I fought with the notion of what it yeah. means to be celebrity. So I want to use a fantasy sci-fi angle to kind of just look at it, um, address the human condition. Uh, and I also want to set it here in um, Nigeria. Oh, okay. so, uh, it's going to be very, very interesting because it's not going to be it's not going to be engaging with the concept of celebrity yeah. from a, from a Hollywood gaze. It's very much in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's very much fantasy and it's very much sci-fi and it's very much, this is who we are or is it not, yeah. you know? So I don't know. I, I'm looking forward to it. that. That's my favorite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, me too. Can't wait to see how it turns out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't hold your breath. Me take my time because ah, just that girl. The, even those three episodes they saw, it was, it was almost yeah. like nearing two years in the making, like three yeah. five minute episodes. Because to me, it has to be done right. And then the next batch, you know, it took it took over a year, obviously, because Corona and everything. But I, I, I'm never, I'm never eager to do something that will not make sense. If something doesn't make sense, then just know that I tried and the remaining thing is experience. I just need a lot more, some experience and. There's a gap that I need to close, and hopefully by the time you see even the next thing, then even that's better, right? So. Yeah. So um, I remember, like, um, with Most Toasted Girl, you you did the crowdfunding campaign. Yes. Yeah. Let me brag again. Oh God. <laughs> now the Most Toasted Girl, as far as I know, is the first crowdfunded web series in Nigeria. I know. Because, like I said, when I want to do something and I'm not collaborating, I'm yeah. wrong. So I have to go and look for who has done it and learn from them. Celebrate by search, too. Ah, I searched that. But what I saw was, I saw that some people had crowdfunded for films. Yeah. I saw that some people had crowdfunded for short films. I saw, you know, feature films, short films. Even actual, I, I can't remember if I saw one for an actual TV series. But as far as, like, web series where... You know, this it's purely going to live on YouTube. No, no, I, I didn't see any. We searched and searched. I got people, you know, there was nothing. I looked at all of Indiegogo. I think at some point I even reached out to the platform. So yeah. I can't remember. As far as I know, we are the first crowdfunded web series. And I'm, I'm, I'm wearing that with pride uh, yeah. because it is possible. Uh, you can community fund projects out of Lagos, Nigeria raising money in dollars and um, people will, will put their money where their mouth is. People will support what it is that they want to see. And I think that that's been the case with the Mososteca Girl from inception and up until now. Amazing stuff. Thank you. If you're stuck on an island and you only had one movie to keep watching, what movie would that be? <laughs> oh my goodness, that is so hard. Does it have to be a movie? Can it be a series? I mean, I'll, I'll permit that. You can choose a series. Oh my god, this is a hard, 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 hard. It would probably have to be the Peaky yeah. Fucking Blinders. <laughs> 
yeah it has a little yeah. bit of everything that i like <laughs> there's the drama it's period you know i like period things as well there's a little bit of thrill and horror in terms of like the killing the acting is brilliant the cinematography there's horses in there and there's also cars um there's you know gangster shit that i like like it's yeah. just i just really like that world so, nice choice yeah <laughs> picky blinders okay so now back to um back to nigeria you mentioned um you know you're really interested in answers and nigeria being better what do you think we need to do? Yes. What's your top top priority for us to do in this um, film industry for us to, you know, transcend our current standing? We need to get our money up. I don't know how we need to do, but we need to. But if I had to model after an industry, actually, it wouldn't be Hollywood. Okay. It would be Bollywood. Because I think that they have managed to understand what distribution looks like. And they capitalize on it in a way that even some of your biggest Hollywood stars can't even come close as far as money. How are they making more as actors? Because they have embraced their genre. They have created systems that make sure that, you know, as far as how money moves and changes hands and systems and how they watch, even accessibility. I can tell you right now, there's a cinema in the city I used to live in, in Mississauga, that only showed Bollywood yeah. films. Only. So if you are an Indian there and you want to watch, there's a physical location for you to go to to go and watch that. And I'm sure this also transcends with, you know, even online. If I live online, how is Bollywood yeah. so popular in a country like Nigeria? It's not English, yes. Though. Yeah. Sometimes it's even dubbed. So these people get it <laughs> in terms of like, you know, audience, you know, distributor, producer, like all of that, that relationship, that ecosystem. We all have something to learn from all of them. All of us. Hollywood included. <laughs> so yes, if I had to fix it, it would be those channels, you know, first. The money. Where is it coming from? You know, how are we funding our own projects? How are we making sure it's an ecosystem? How are we making sure everything else pays for it? It would mean figuring out our distribution online, web, TV. It would mean, you know, figuring out, like, you know, how the money works because it needs to go back into the industry, sustain the industry, and sustain the people in the industry. It needs to be tight, just like the way, you know, they have it over there in, in Bollywood. Then if the money is short, now the question is, how can we determine which projects that are solid and deserve this backing? Uh, because it's already there, right? I don't, uh, I'm saying this because people like me, now yeah. that's going to be doing Bambiala online for this funding. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> so uh, that, that for me, that's what we need to fix. If we fix the money problem and how it's structured and everything, and that's why I think I think that it's now, and this is why we need to be wary, because I remember uh, right now, if you needed to, if Netflix wanted to commission something, I doubt that they're paying as much as they're paying for Hollywood, you know, or Bollywood projects in terms, somebody went there and fucked up. They were probably paying more. Somebody went there and said, we can't, we can take less. I will do it for you now. If you're 
if you're if you're an industry person listening to this and you've done that, I'm gonna say this with my full chest. Stop. Stop doing that. <laughs> you're killing us. You're killing us. Stop doing that. Even for actors who underpriced and undervalued their craft, stop doing that. We need the actual cost of what it's gonna take to make and sustain this industry on paper, not favors, because that's not sustainable. What is the actual cost? Let's agree on it and just pay people what it's worth. (laughs) Because as far as what they're worth, nobody can ever pay, right? So if you're doing that, stop. that's that's not helping. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's pretty much. <laughs> all right. So um, how how can people keep up with your work? Ooh, please. First of all, if you love me and my work, both of us, the two both of us, we're already the Nengers. <laughs> so and the Nengers, T H E N E N G E. ERS is seamless. You can find me with that handle on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, even on YouTube. Just type in the Nengers and my beautiful face will pop up and you can see everything that it is that I'm doing. I'm very, very vocal on Twitter. Um, I also share bits of my life and what I'm up to on Instagram as well. Uh, And also you can check out my website. It's uh, www.nengiadoki.com. that's also available if you want to see what I'm doing or get like direct access to some of my recent work. Uh, uh, what else? Yeah, just follow. And also, you need to be coming back to Celeb Buzz podcast because I mean, you're here right uh-huh. now and listening to yeah. me. <laughs> so, hey, you never know when next I'm going to pop up here again. So, follow this as well. Yeah. And, I'm, I'm pretty sure you'll pop up again. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> hey. Thank you so much. This is amazing this part this is this is awesome thank you so much i enjoyed it too and if you're listening thank you for listening i appreciate you we have come to the end of this episode please remember to leave a rating and a review follow me on instagram and twitter at tell and the podcast also on Instagram and Twitter and the Nigeria Film Post. See you in the next episode. Have a good one.